0: Hello and welcome to Talking Tax, a Bloomberg BNA tax and accounting podcast where we discuss everything involving tax from the courts, the IRS, or Capitol Hill. I'm your host, Matthew Benningfield, and I'm excited you're here with us today. Hello and welcome to Talking Tax. It's September 29th and I'm here with Hill reporters Laura Davison and Colleen Murphy. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Thanks. Thanks. So we got a tax reform framework on Wednesday. Uh, Some exciting stuff. We're inching our way towards reform, it seems. So uh, Colleen, can you walk us through what uh, the outline included and some people's reaction to it?
1: Yeah, so the framework is about nine pages long and it basically lays out sort of the high-level points of tax reform. It gives a 20% corporate rate, 25% rate on pass-throughs, it sets um, three individual tax rates, describes this new international system, but the biggest piece that's missing from this plan is how it's going to be paid for. So this is sort of an aspirational document in the sense that it's supposed to chart the path for the Senate and the House Ways and Means Committee as they are writing their own bills but a lot of those big decisions, you know, what income levels qualify for what tax rate and how this corporate tax rate is going to be paid for, it, those are decisions that the committees will need to make in the next couple of months.
0: And, you know, uh, from our, the first round uh, you know, of a tax framework that we got from Trump, that was like just a one-page bullet point sheet, right? And so this is novel length compared to what, what we've had before. You know, like you were saying, Colin, we don't have... Uh, you know how exactly we're going to pay for this, but what are people's reaction to what's in it?
2: Well, and I would like to point out that while it's longer than what Trump had previously, it's still much less than what the House put out a year plus ago in June of 2016, um, and that had some pay-fors in there, which this it doesn't really talk at all about how they're going to raise revenue, except for sort of generally saying they're going to get rid of some credits and deductions, and um, the the state and local deduction is one that's that's largely thought to be a, a leading pay-for, although there's some disagreement in the Senate about that, so nothing is decided right now. Um, but, but to your question, I think people are, are excited to see this level of detail, especially like on the markets. You saw them get a little bit, you know, um, rise a little bit when this plan was, was released. But kind of once people realized, oh, this doesn't answer any of the tough questions, this isn't close to being leg- to, close to legislative text, and everyone, everyone likes it right now. That's a problem, right, because someone is going to lose in tax reform. You, need to, you have to take some stuff away to be able to get those rates and these are really low rates, 20%, that's more than than previous plans have have done, not necessarily in the past year, but um, kind of historically speaking, they're going to have to end up
1: having a lot of pay-fors or add to the deficit a lot, Uh, neither of which um, are easy processes. And something to watch going forward will definitely be the Senate. So we know that Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch is not afraid to contradict his House counterparts and Um, One example is most recently, uh, he said that he wants to keep the state and local tax deduction which as Laura mentioned is one of the main pay-fors in the plan and he's been very clear all along that this is just a framework for him that he's going to move through the process in his own committee. The Senate Finance Committee is having an international tax hearing next week. And so it's gonna be really important to see going forward kind of where those fault lines emerge Um, another one that we have heard recently is the plan included um, the option for corporate integration which is a proposal from Hatch that would help lower the corporate rate and that's something that hasn't caught on in the House but to the extent the Senate is doing its own work and writing its own bill we might see that going forward
0: in terms of a bill you know obviously this is just a framework How much closer does this get us? Is there any way to tell our people any dates floating around, any speculation as to when we get something on paper?
2: Paul Ryan, when all of the House Republicans met on Wednesday, um, as this document was being released, he said he wants this bill to the Senate by November 1st. Now that is lightning speed. So next week, the vote on the budget um, in the House, it also has to go through the Senate. That basically gives them the instructions, the vehicle to move tax reform forward. Then they would have to have a markup in the House Ways and Means Committee, and they would have to pass the House. All of these things, I mean, just in 1986, the, ma- the markup in the House took three months, was it? You know, it was it was months and months and months. They basically have one month to do everything to get out of the House. When we saw with health care, it took longer than anticipated, and I think that's very likely to happen again. They're, Republicans are still saying 2017, we're going to get it done. Unless they do a simple tax cut that is almost not possible just with the level of detail and the level of agreement we have today.
1: One important uh, step forward that they do have though is there were some members of the House, specifically the House Freedom Caucus, who said that they could not support a budget until they saw details of tax reform and passing this budget resolution is really important because that includes the instructions for tax reform and that budget is expected to get voted on next week. The House Freedom Caucus saw this plan, said that they were happy enough with it, said they would support a budget. So that is a major step towards kind of at least getting the, the tax reform process going.
2: I think a, a thing to watch going forward is so the, the Freedom Caucus laid out a bunch of so-called red lines, uh, things that were sort of deal breakers for them. And one is that the corporate rate couldn't be above 25 percent. What were some of those others, Colleen, that were in there? They they wanted you know the, the top rate on individuals to be no higher than 35 percent. Um, and the problem is this document is so aspirational, as Colleen said earlier, those numbers might have to flex a little bit through the negotiations, so it remains to be seen of are they really going to be committed to these numbers and, and say, no, we only voted for the budget because of the numbers that were in there, or will they be willing to go along with some of their counterparts um, in the Republican Party to move this forward? I mean, that's one of the problems that happened with health care is they said, no, absolutely not. We have certain things that we're not going to flex on, and, and that really slowed down the process previously.
0: Okay, guys. Well, you had a crazy, busy week this week. I'm sure there are going to be several more coming up. Um, but we look forward to uh, listening to you guys and reading up on all you have to say.
2: Everybody, get some rest.
0: All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today on Talking Tax. Our podcast is one of many that Bloomberg BNA has to offer. Visit bna.com for all BNA sponsored podcasts, and make sure to follow Bloomberg BNA Tax on Twitter. We look forward to giving you more in-depth analyses on the next episode of Talking Tax. Until then, signing off from Crystal City, I'm Matthew Bedingfield.